0: Welcome to Co-op Energy Talk. I'm Rachel Johnson, the Member Relations Manager here at Cherryland Electric Cooperative. A few months ago, we did a podcast on how a carbon tax might work. And following that podcast, I heard from several people, especially our commercial members and business owners, that we had not really adequately addressed how price pressures and energy impact local businesses. So it got me thinking just about energy, local businesses, and how those two things impact our community. What types of concerns do our local businesses have when it comes to energy? How are energy trends impacting our business community? And who better to discuss that than members of the local business community itself? So joining me today to discuss some of these issues are Kent Wood, the Director of Government Relations for Traverse City Chamber of Commerce and the Northern Michigan Chamber Alliance. Hi, Kent. Hey, Rachel. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Michael Lotti, the Director of Operations and CFO at Black Star Farms. Hi, Mike. Good morning. Rick Denowith, who owns several Northern Michigan businesses, including LC Materials, Three West, and Copper Ridge. And Rick is also on the Cherryland Board of Directors and is the chair of the Wolverine Power Cooperative Board. Hi, Rick.
1: Hello, Rachel. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm excited to have you guys here. And of course, joined again by our trustee general manager here at Cherryland, Tony Anderson. Hey, Tony. Good morning.
2: Glad to be here once again.
0: Yeah, and this is, this is a fun topic and not something we've spent a ton of time talking about. So I'm really, really excited to see where the discussion goes. So to kind of get us started, um, maybe Rick and, and Mike, you might jump in on how energy issues impact your business planning.
1: Well, I'll start with that. I, I, it's just a—it it depends on the nature of your business, obviously how critical electricity is to your business. But it's—it's it's such an important factor, and it's such an important factor to have businesses locate into this in northern Michigan, the Traverse City area in northern Michigan. Power and natural gas are, are major issues for considering whether you are going to move to this area. And you see it in in some of the large projects that are potentially coming to this area. I refer to a project in Grayling and the, the East Jordan Ironworks project that electricity is a major factor to determine whether they're gonna make a two or three hundred million dollar investment in that area. So it is very critical. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Um, you know, Black Star Farms is a diverse um, operation. Uh, you know, it's not just a, a widget manufacturer, a producer, uh, or a hospitality, culinary arts, um, a lot of different business functionalities going on. So your, your production processes might need a certain amount of electricity, whereas in the bed and breakfast, you're worried about people leaving the lights on all night long. <laughs> um, you know, it affects us in numerous ways. And obviously the bottom line can be positively or negatively impacted by that use. We don't
2: always worry about them leaving the lights on. Yeah, here. yeah, I, <laughs> I understand. We call it meter spin here. Yeah, meter it, spin. It can be a good thing. Gotcha.
0: So, Rick, you kind of alluded to businesses thinking about investing in this community, and, and Kent, I'm sure you can speak to this too. What types of concerns or or areas are, are those businesses looking at as as they're deciding whether to invest here?
1: Well, we always talk about, especially at Cherryland, we always talk about affordability and reliability, and those are obviously the key factors. But I, sometimes I consider affordability um, more of short-term, what, what's the cost currently? But when people are making that type of long-term investment, they need to know that whoever is supplying their electricity has a long-term plan that is going to provide stable rates. And for example, at Wolverine, we consider, we're always looking at the long-term and making those decisions that we feel are going to ensure our customers or our members, as we call them, that they will have stable rates that they can plan on for the long-term so they can make that long-term investment, whether it's in a, in a factory or a plant or a piece of equipment that requires electricity.
4: Yeah, Rick, you really nailed it there with affordability and reliability. and. Um the chamber a few some odd years ago um, did a, a survey of some of its members that were larger energy users, and those were the exact two things that, that came back was reliability and affordability, and really in that order too. Um, and again, just as, as Rick mentioned, you know, for those reasons, you know, cost is always an issue, as we talk, these gentlemen talked about in the first question, it's, it's always something that can impact your bottom line it's always an issue but it tends to be something that you can at least plan for if your rates are going up or even if they're staying stable you can typically see that you can typically plan for that in your budget reliability on the other hand is is a is a larger beast because especially when you are a larger energy user if you are a manufacturer or producing things those outages or, or if, you, if, you're, if you're not certain that you're getting reliable energy, um, you're just out of luck. You just you can't plan for that and usually the consequences of that um, are, are, are hard to, to mitigate. and that's not always something you can see for the, in the future. So when, when people, I think when businesses, especially larger energy using businesses, are making those decisions for the long term, yeah, cost does enter into the equation, but reliability. I, I think a lot of what they're saying is that's that's the key one because they can they can plan for cost for the most part, but you can't always plan for reliability. Or if it's not if, if you're not insured that it is going to be reliable, um, then you're just you're going to look elsewhere, and, and that's going to be the real key factor for them.
3: Yeah, downtime is a big deal. I mean, if you think about production processes, and you talk about the major automotive uh, producers, if they're down for even an hour, I mean, the thousands, the tens of thousands of dollars they're losing um, just by not producing that product. And, you know, if you're talking about the wine industry, I mean, that occurs that occurs up here from time to time. And it, it, there's other utility um, providers out there, and there are some reliability issues in Old Mission Peninsula. One of the things that... Uh, we see out there is is voltage fluctuations Mm. and that affects uh, bottling uh, equipment and affects chilling equipment Um, so even from a a smaller producers mindset you know we have limited staff uh, we have limited timeframes and we have to get this product through and if we're down for days on end well that that's serious opportunity cost it's it's not just bottom line but it's it's what we're losing by not um, getting that work out on time
0: That's really interesting, Mike, because one of the things I think that happens when we talk about energy, we tend to talk about really big picture things like generation sources and things like that. But what you're describing is something that is invisible to a lot of people, which is investments that utilities make in their distribution infrastructure. So investments that that Cherryland has made into the infrastructure we use to serve Leelanau County – are the reasons we're not seeing voltage issues in Leland County, right? And it, and it's and again it's just something yeah. nobody notices and it kind of goes on behind the scenes, but it's impactful for for our local businesses.
2: When you talk about long-term, businesses want to know about energy long-term or is is long-term 5 years or 10 years or how far out are businesses looking when when you say long-term?
1: Well, I'd say obviously it depends on the nature of that business and their ability to get up and move or whatever, but you know, it's, it's minimum 10, I think on average, but for some of these larger facilities, I would say it's 20, 25 years. And these large companies, they have consultants or experts on their staff that their sole function is to analyze the reliability. So they're, they're not just looking at price and they're, they're analyzing your investment in your transmission and, 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 and your, you know, your long-term capital program and your, in the utility. So it's very sophisticated, and and because long-term or reliability is such a key issue.
4: Rachel and Tony, I always kind of wonder too. Rachel, you had mentioned that you know making those upgrades in Leelanau County. What kind of um, what kind of debate do you guys have, or analysis do you go through when you when you make those decisions about okay, let's invest in Leelanau County, knowing that that's that's going to cost the co-op money. Um, what you know, maybe. Rates go up as as an imp, you know, as, as a rela- relationship to that. And so, how do you how, how do you judge what's a good upgrade project and, and what's it's not? It's the
2: age of the system. How old is that sectional line? Are we having any any trouble with that sectional line? And then, who are the key players on that sectional line? You know, there's all those different thought processes. We certainly don't want the Black Star out of power. We don't want the Surgery Center at Copper Ridge out of power. So we have to look at How do we make sure they have power? Uh, We do a lot of studies on different feeds, you know. Michael mentioned Old Mission, which we don't serve, but the unique situation there is it's a peninsula. It's Mm -hmm. tough to get power from another direction. A lot of our territory, it's easy for us, relatively easy for us to get power from a different direction. So like at Copper Ridge, we have two substations. If one goes down, we can switch to another one. We have similar situations in Leelanau County. So it's a combination of a a lot of stuff but um, the big commercial customer does make us work a little harder great with lodge copper ridge entities like black star farms crystal mountain we have to have two ways to feed all those because we don't want them down i'm joking about the meter spin leaving the lights on but it's true when the lights are off the meters doesn't spin and at those big accounts there's some serious spin there that affects everybody so we're incentivized to keep the lights on.
0: And one of the things that helps us with that planning is how advanced our, our automated infrastructure is right now. We, we, I get a report every single week of every blink on our system. And, and all all that data now helps make us be better with making decisions about where to invest mm-hmm. in our plant. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's really changed with technology over the last decade or so, is just access to that kind of granular data about where you might have system problems that would impact a business and or a, or a home for that matter. So.
1: And I would say the utility industry is such a capital-intensive business that these uh, times of low interest rates we have at Wolverine and Cherryland have taken advantage of these lower rates to make major investments in the system. And I think that's going to play out for the – obviously play out for the long term to the benefit of our members.
4: Yeah, it's always interesting to me when when I have an energy discussion or I listen to you folks that actually know about it talk – all of, the, all of the areas that impact the energy market that you wouldn't, th- you know, interest rates or, uh, you know, just, you know, all the different data that, that you talked about, Rachel, all these things that I think John and Joe, you know, even John and Joe and Jane, business owner, don't even think about, um, you know, when they go to, to turn the lights on. And of course, as we've talked about before, everybody just kind of expects now that when you flip that switch, the lights are going to go on. And that, it doesn't they're upset about that and but all of those factors that that do go into that you got a big job on your hands
2: that's our goal is we want to be taken for granted when you take us for granted that means your lights are on on a consistent basis
3: yeah that's that's another good point you know we've had this conversation over the past couple years with regards to solar power investment you know i have to bring that up i was hoping you would um you know there's there's a lot of back and forth as to what kind of um, costs go into it? What kind of ROI a uh, company uh, will get back? And yeah, I'd love to be able to have enough solar panels out there to power all of Black Star Farms. But the argument is well, what happens when there's no sun? By the way, at 3 a.m., the sun typically doesn't shine in the state of Michigan. Mm-hmm. I've noticed. <laughs> yeah. So, and what happens if your inverters go down? What are you going to do? Are you going to buy enough batteries to power? all your electrical needs out there at Black Star Farms? No. So then you have to look at the utility side of it. Well, they still have to invest in your infrastructure. This is where you and I, I I see your side uh, of of the table there. You still have to pay for the wires, the transformers, the labor to take care of that system. I would love to be 100% dependent. Is that going to happen? Well, not right now. And down the road, there will be some sort of equitable trade between the utilities and the business owners or or the residential Uh, homeowners that uh, with a system that does work that will help the infrastructure that will keep you in business and keep us in business at the same time. Mm -hmm. How do we get to that point? Well, it's going to take a lot of technology. It's going to take a lot of investment. It's going to take a lot of patience and it's going to take a lot of understanding from both sides. I see your argument.
2: Yeah. Most importantly, it it takes a lot of communication Mm -hmm. and that's the goal. One of the goals of this podcast is to keep that communication open.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, Technology is is really changing the way we do business and the way all of you do business, in, in really interesting and dramatic ways. So you talked about you know Blackstar's decision to install solar at at your location and kind of the partnership with us to get that back onto the grid. So we're essentially operating as a as a battery for you right now. Mm-hmm. But what are the other ways that you're seeing te- energy technologies change your businesses?
1: Well, I, I mean everything is just. So much more efficient when it comes to just I, I'm going to speak of okay I've got Copper Ridge with real with buildings and all that all the systems that are in place on the HVAC and and those kind of things and then go to LC Materials which is a concrete aggregate business all the motors all I mean, that kind of technology is just changing the industry tremendously let alone what's going up in the you talked about data that Cherryland has the data that we get on our how we, how all our equipment is operating, how our our buildings are operating, uh, where our equipment is. It's just, it's mind boggling. As you know, I was in the business and then sold it and I got back in recently. And just the changes in the 14 or 15 years that I was out of the industry is just incredible. Yeah,
3: in, in the past couple of years as well, I came on at Black Star about four and a half years ago now. And there's a lot of low hanging fruit and these organizations, you know, I think it started off with, uh, LED light bulbs. Um, gosh, you know, we've got, uh, what, almost a thousand light bulbs here. You know, you wouldn't think that that's a big deal, but when you've got a thousand light bulbs that are all 65 watts or a thousand light bulbs that are all seven watts, you can do the math pretty quick. And we've that's, done the
2: <laughs> math. That's why we want them on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's why
3: you want them on. Cause our <laughs> meters don't spin as fast as they used to. And, you know, that's obviously by design. Um, but it, you have these partnerships, you know, whether it's whether it's uh, tax incentives, whether it's uh, rebates or capital credits um, from Cherryland. You know, there's ways to do this. You know, and, and Cherryland's been a great partner with regards to the, the 0% interest loan that you had given us at our boiler system. Mm-hmm. I mean, the amount of energy that we've been able to save, electrical as well as natural gas, is astronomical. I mean, we're talking gas and electric bills that have been reduced by 50 60% across the board because of these investments. You know, and the technology is only only getting better. When you have a 1.5 million BTU boiler that's powering a space and you're able to reduce that to two 200,000 BTU boilers that run in parallel and because they're 96% efficient, and you only need one. Just, I mean, that's 1.3 million BTUs you're saving, and not to mention all the electrical for the pumps associated with that. So it's just the technology is great, you know, and everything we do at Black Star Farms. You know, we have, we have Tesla uh, car chargers out there. That was a grant through Tesla. Um, just it's an amazing opportunity to, to be able to improve people's quality of life, um, add jobs, uh, decrease the the losses and increase your profits. Um, the grants that are available, this stuff is it's it's necessary to keep going in my opinion. Now, some people would say, well, this is just uh, this is just uh, corporate welfare. Well, no, I think it's 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 community reinvestment. I mean, it's it's what we need to do. We need to be responsible um, for the for the area around us, for the community we live in, and, and the world. Because if we're not taking care of our resources. Just not going to be a place for us to be, in my opinion. So,
2: you mentioned the Tesla car charger, Crystal Mountain has one as well. How, how much do you businesses talk to each other? I mean,
3: with regards to Tesla one, chargers or with
2: regards to technology, mm-hmm. and how, there's a lot of wineries in the area too. Is there, I understand they're competitive, but is there a partnership or a absolutely.
3: communication? Uh, absolutely, there's a partnership. I probably field, I don't know, two calls a month. Uh, from other uh, businesses in the area, not just wineries, but other businesses, hey, you know, talk to me about your solar panels or talk to me about this boiler you installed, you know, because there's people out there trying to sell these systems and people are very curious. Well, how did you get funding for it? How did you uh, make the ROI um, uh, affordable? What I mean by that is something that would normally take 20 years without any incentives to something that takes seven years. You know, that makes a big difference, especially when the warranty on the item expires at 15. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you're paid off before the warranty's out. Uh, That's one of the things you look at when you're spending a quarter of a million bucks on a solar panel system. Um, Yeah, I want to help people. People want to reach out. I'll talk with them. I'll help steer them through. Um, I had a gentleman not too long ago who had called me up, and I gave him, uh, you know, grant writers, uh, the USDA programs that are out there, as well as the incentives Cherryland offers. There is a partnership it's it's a community and i think that's part of traverse city as well i mean we're, we're community driven we're relationship driven so
0: and that's certainly something we one of the reasons we started this podcast is because we wanted to help give our members information about energy things that impact them right and to try to to become a source of information for accessing things that help them accomplish their energy goals, whatever those goals might be. So that's what makes these kinds of conversations, I think, so valuable. Um, So we've talked a little bit on kind of on the affordability side, which is great, right? We've talked about the ways that um, businesses need at least stability in planning for how to, you know, how to account for price changes, the ways that businesses are investing in things that help decrease their costs by simply decreasing their usage, and we can partner with them. But I want to kind of transition now to talk about actual reliability of electric supply. And um, Rick, I wonder if maybe you might start by talking a little bit about what Wolverine is doing to secure reliability and electric supply, because I think that there's a lot of conversations going on right now statewide that we are facing a crisis.
1: Well, that's a that's a tough question. Not tough, but there's a lot to it. How's that? Um, I, I think, let's see, how can I? It is probably the most important thing, and yes, all the utilities have been making decisions and rates have always been kind of somewhat uh, consistent with each other, but I see the industry changing so much and people's decisions having such great ramifications. The decisions that are being made now and where you're gonna get your power in the next 10 years are gonna have such a huge ramification on your rates going forward. And I truly believe that Wolverine has made some, I, I believe, very good decisions to ensure that our rates are going to be about as competitive and as low as possible. And I don't see a lot of other utilities making those long-term commitments, whether it is in generation, like our Alpine Power Plant in in Gaylord, uh, which has been up for operation for what, three months, four months now and is, is being called on on an everyday basis. There is no doubt there is a lot of capacity in the state that is being shut down or scheduled for closing and without any type of we are not aware of what the plan is to replace that generation and we feel at Wolverine we've more than covered what we need for the future and I think it's going to our members are going to get the benefit of that commitment and that I, I'll call it foresight uh, by the board and and the the staff at Wolverine to make these long-term commitments and again I'll go back to that interest rate thing because I am a financial person <laughs> but to make those commitments at a time with low interest rates is even going to make that benefit better
0: and I, I think we can't say the message you just said enough because I do feel like kind of the prevailing message in the state is that we have a crisis but At wolverine we have made plans and investments to protect our members as we transition our energy supply portfolio off of michigan-based coal
1: and i truly believe that the, the the consumers and the dt's of the world are waiting for government to help solve their problem they're waiting for legislation to solve this issue and i think at wolverine we just we we just went ahead we, we knew what was needed to be done and what will what are gonna be the consequences in the future. And we've analyzed that and, and made decisions and investments accordingly. And we're not gonna to wait to see what happens. We, we have to make sure we have the, the power, the supply necessary for the future. And I think that's gonna be critical for all of Northern Michigan and all the areas that we service. We will have power up here. Ken you see these
3: issues at the state level, and we had a conversation about Blackstar not too long ago. Um, We had a senator there, and we're kind of diving into these issues that we've seen in the UP um, with regards to power supply. What kind of pressure or um, foresight are you seeing from state legislators with regards to this?
4: Well, they're under pressure, but it's a different kind of pressure. I think that it's not necessarily a pressure to act, um, you know, but a, but a a pressure to, well, I I guess it's, it's sort of the the pressure that you have when you've got a lot of competing interest coming, you know, coming after it. And and so, you you know, they've, they've sort of reached a stalemate um, at this point in Lansing, at least in regards to future energy legislation or what, you know, new policy, new energy policy being out there. And it is it is somewhat troubling, but it's also nice to see, again, kind of what Rick was talking about with Wolverine. And, and Eric Baker, the president of Wolverine, talks about this all the time about how, especially in northern Michigan, we we are at the end of that power cord. There's, there's not a lot of generation happening outside of, Wolverine's natural gas plant outside of of Gaylord and so we are, we're really relying on other areas of the state other areas of the Midwest to produce our power and Rick again you, you said it I mean that is that's that's critical you know And the, the the decisions that that led to that that led to that lack of generation in in northern Michigan you know we're, we're starting to see that right now we're starting to look around and go oh yeah, boy, we're you know, we're talking about all these future capacity issues that we've got coming up, and you know, we're we're not contributing to to that solution, you know, as a whole in northern Michigan. Meaning we're we're not, again, outside of the, the, the Gaylord plant, the Wolverine plant, we're not generating to help with that issue. So we're still relying on Southeast Michigan and, and Ohio and, and Kentucky and Indiana to produce our our energy. So uh, you know, I think we're we're really hopeful at at the chamber that by the end of this year, the you know the legislature will take some action to or it, it, at least ensure that we do have good energy policy moving forward to ensure uh, reliability and affordability. again, those two the you know the two key pillars of it. And sure. so that's why it is kind of frustrating to see there are all these other, when you start talking about the energy legislation going on, you've got all kinds of issues that are out there, from you know choice to uh, renewables, um, you know all these issues that are that are out there. But really, what we're focused on is those main two pillars that you know reliability and affordability. Um, and you know, I, I unfortunately, I, I you know you just don't see a lot of future generation projects at least in the works right now and that's why I'm really you know really glad to hear that Wolverine's gas plant in Gaylord is going so well hopefully that that leads to some
2: of the other utilities saying you know can make that work in northern michigan what policies are you looking for the legislators to pass cuz i would make an argument that we didn't need any legislative policy to build that gas plant we didn't need any legislative policy to upgrade our transmission lines to improve reliability i i I've said this more than once I'd like the legislator out of my business so I'm curious what are you waiting for him to pass because yeah and, and we, we didn't need him to get where we're at and that's, I like that's,
4: where we're at that's a good point Tony and maybe I did misspeak because we've we've talked about too about how you know if if the legislature doesn't act that's not necessarily a bad thing because I, I think we've we've been able to um, you know, for the most part, I think utilities have been able to operate under the 2008 energy uh, legislation that's that's in law right now. Um, you know, so I think what what we're really you know hoping for is you know even if they maintain most of the key parts of the 2008 energy legislation, I think we could probably agree most utilities can operate under that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe with a few smaller changes needed, but I, I think um what what we really don't want to see is necessarily blowing up the whole the whole system
0: yeah and i think too you know we we talked kind of about business planning in general and the need for certainty and i would say that one of the challenges i would guess for the especially for the utilities that are more closely regulated by the public service commission is a lack of certainty about what will happen with that legislation for their planning. So if the decision were to be made that we're great under the 2008 law, we have no in, no no intention of changing that, there's certainty then for those utilities to, to do their planning. I'm not trying to give them an excuse, but I do think it's fair to say that for utilities looking at 50-year investments, we want at least a little bit of certainty that the law and regulation isn't going to flip out from under us and take this investment and strand it, which is really what's happened with a lot of coal plants right now so that again just looking for certainty and then clearly um flexibility that's where wolverine has been so successful we're nimble and we've been able to be flexible and adapt to the market and and make really smart investments but
1: well, and you can add the clean power plan to that uncertainty you know you take the, the michigan legislation that's up in the air and then you throw the clean power plan on that that's a great and, point and and you know, we just had to make decisions at Wolverine and we just couldn't wait till all the, till all those issues are never going to be resolved. You have to make some decisions. And we, we talk about issues that face us here in this area, but think of the UP. The UP has literally no generation up there and they do have a lot of natural resources that make it beneficial for certain operations to move or, or locate there. But when they don't have stable energy prices and stable generation and, and I don't know, inadequate transmission. It makes it very hard, and and they're they're feeling the effects of that right now. So there's something that has to be done on the UP also. Tony, can you put a dollar amount on how much the state of
3: Michigan might need just to get its infrastructure and supply stable across the board?
2: Boy, dollar amount in terms of generation?
3: Generation or general infrastructure supply lines? Boy, I mean this is ballpark. Obviously, I'm
2: just yeah. Wolverine's Gaylord gas plant, 400 megawatt hours, costs about 170 million. Uh, good price, good project. There's 5,000 megawatts of coal that's going to be shut down for various reasons. So, boy, it's 200, 300 million per per plant. Th- yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's in the billions. It, it's a big investment.
0: And 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 and, and also investment in transmission infrastructure. I mean, one of the things we've talked a lot about is the need to improve transmission with the Upper Peninsula, and that Mm -hmm. too there will be a cost. I mean,
2: yeah, and I yeah, I I focus on our area a lot. We've we've spent over a hundred million on transmission lines in our area. Wolverine has so our our transmission grid locally is is big, statewide not so big. You know, we we don't have a good connection across the straits. Working on that. The governor just talked uh, a week or so ago about talking to Canada about a good connection between Michigan and Canada. Canada has a lot of renewable resources. We can't get those renewable resources down here because we don't have transmission. And so we're talking a billion dollars for a transmission line to the UP, maybe another 500 million uh, to connect to Canada. It's it's big numbers. And that's just the state of
4: Michigan. Right, right. I think that... Kind of speaks to that give and take between cost and reliability because you you know you could make the decision well let's let's not invest in it let's not invest in a, in a new plant let's not invest in you know upgrading that tra- uh, transmission in infrastructure across the strait so we can link the, the you know the lower peninsula and the upper peninsula uh, because that'll cost money that'll raise rates so you can make that you can make that decision not to invest. Um, you know and then not to invest in that future reliability because of cost but you know in the end are you really saving yourself something down the road sooner or later you you are going to have to you're going to have to pay
2: you're going to have to pay
1: those are decisions every business has to make you know that's that's why you get paid the big bucks to make those decisions (laughs) and and you know you have to think long term and if if you're only short-term, it's going to come back to bite
2: you. Yeah, but transmission is at least on the governor's radar now. And I'd make an argument for that's one policy decision that I'd encourage the government to get involved in is transmission, improving our transmission and access to outside resources. And they're outside resources that are clean and renewable if you, if you look at Canada. You know, they use a lot of their energy in the wintertime. We use more energy in the summertime. We're a perfect fit for their renewables. They have they're shutting stuff down in the summertime because they have nowhere for it to go. It's a, there's a great synergy there that could come into play.
0: And and Rick, you already hinted at this, but while we're clearly talking about kind of our local business community here, if we look at economic development at the statewide level, there's a lot of opportunity for investment in the Upper Peninsula and to attract. Um, major companies to the Upper Peninsula. And so certainly that help, That allows us to use resources like the Alpine Power Plant to help stabilize the power supply in the Upper Peninsula as well. So it's just kind of like win, 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 win. Oh, but it costs some money.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. But the whole state benefits. You know, we talk about a healthy Detroit benefits the mm-hmm. whole state. I would argue that a healthy UP would benefit the Absolutely. whole state as well as far as employment goes and income and economy. And we all will benefit from that.
0: Absolutely. So we're almost um, out of time, but I'm going to uh, throw this one out here since it's an election year. Anyone want to <laughs> Anyone want to make any predictions about what's going to happen in the upcoming elections and how it might impact your business? Yeah.
2: In regards to business, we don't. You don't have to get into personal thoughts and. But
0: you can say whatever in, you want.
2: In regards to business, without mentioning names, if you don't want to. Boy, talk about tough questions. I was. Uh... I was on this
4: podcast before the primary and um, giving my thoughts, and um, I had a very low, low percentage success rate <laughs> in that. So I'm a little hesitant to dip <laughs> my toe into this pool, Rachel. But, uh, it's
2: your chance to catch up. I know.
4: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll to... maybe I'll wait and hear the wisdom of Rick and Michael and uh, <laughs> see what they have to
0: say. Uh, it was it was a redemption moment. You didn't he choose just, to he just he no, just passed
2: no. the buck. A typical political <laughs> move. Let's just, just say if buck. if I
4: were playing baseball, I would have. Still not been very good, so
0: <laughs> what are what are businesses watching and concerned about with well, this? Election? I, it,
1: it's, I'm I'm involved with business different businesses and I have a lot of friends that are involved in businesses. And there's a lot of still pent up investment that people are just they're doing everything they can to get by because they don't have confidence in the economy. Now we're seeing a lot of construction and, and, and I see that as construction that is absolutely has to be done. Uh, whether it's an addition on a, a plant here in Northern Michigan or something like that, but there's still that uncertainty. And I, I feel that if the economy was, a, if people were confident, confident that, that, where we're at now, it would continue or get a little better, and, and government wouldn't be messing up with everything. I think you'd see a, a tremendous uh, boon to construction and the economy uh, all over the state. The state's doing well, but there's that uneasiness, and I think that's what's most important by the election. So without telling you where I'd go... Um, You know, obviously I think some of the current policies that are being handled by this administration, especially the EPA and other regulations on overtime hours and things, they just can't continue to keep hammering business like this. That's what creates this instability. Uh, Entrepreneurship has to be uh, an awesome thing to do, and, and that's what government kind of shuts down.
3: Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. The uncertainty components You know, when when I'm sitting down doing my spreadsheets once a month, you know, auditing the company and doing projections, gosh, it's nice to see that number in that box and you look out five years and you hope all those numbers are exactly how you plan because you can operate within those those parameters easily. I look at both candidates as an uncertainty to me. I have no idea uh, where things will go from one to the next. You could say one, well, you're going to have more reinvestment uh, and you're going to have... um, more community responsibility, uh, there could be more legislation, there could be more requirements um, such as, uh, you know, ACA components. And the other side, you could say, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? You know, this is all going to be opened up and that's going to go in that direction and this, these requirements are going to be eliminated and you're going to have chaos. So I'm on the fence. <laughs> it's, it's uncertainty that I think um, causes business to take that extra step back and say let's let's hold for a second because we don't know what's going to happen, and then you're going to see investment
4: decrease. I I I am not going to pretend to tell you where the where the presidential is going to go nationally. I, I just have no clue. But what I can tell you is right now, um, Trump's numbers are are doing very well in in Northern Michigan, and that is having an impact on some of those races in Northern Michigan. Um, that is is and I think will have an impact on the first district congressional race. And what was um, notable to me in that was that Lon Johnson, the the Democrat running for Congress, put out a press release about a week and a half ago now um, touting that he had taken an internal poll and, and he was up two, two points. Now, I can't ever remember seeing a candidate put out a press release for an internal poll saying that they're up two point you usually see it if, if they're up over 10 points or something like that to say that they're they're taking command but but to say two point you know i'm up two points when it's you know within the margin of, of error tells margin, me yeah. margin of error was probably three is yeah at least three probably and so that that tells me that you know jack bergman has has got a, a big chance jack bergman being the republican um has not only got a very good chance Odds are, because Lon put that pull up, previous polls have said that that Jack was up, and so I think Lon was very excited that he had crested that wave, at least momentarily, and and taken the lead. You're also seeing that in some of the state house races that are in play, primarily in the 101st district, which includes a lot of the Cherryland Service territory, the 106th district over in the Alpena area, and the 108th district up in the Upper Peninsula. These are, all three of these seats have been held uh, by Republicans for the last six years, but are typically um, very 50-50 swing districts, and, and most of them have been held by Democrats in the recent past. Um, these are seats that before the primary, you would have thought that, boy, the Dems have a very great, very good chance at picking those seats back up. Now, um, you're starting to see a lot of a lot of excitement from Republicans that, you know, Not so fast, Um, you know. Republicans have a really good shot in in these seats now. So, again, you know, those are Northern Michigan numbers for Trump. Uh, I've got no idea where where the presidential race is going to go nationally, Um, but those positive numbers that you are seeing for for Trump and have been seen consistently for the past few weeks and months, even, um, rest assured, those are having an impact on on these local races.
0: Yeah. And um, so th- thank you all for, for wading into those deep waters. Um, but I, for me, I just think that there's so much at stake in all these discussions, whether it's a discussion about business concerns with energy, whether it's a discussion about upcoming elections at the federal level and at the local level. I mean, so many decisions are made here in our local community at the utility, at the businesses, and at the, the governmental level that impact all of us and impact this this community. So I'm, I'm very grateful to all of you for joining us today to talk a little bit about energy and taking time away from your businesses to do so so thanks for joining us
3: thanks for having us thank you